0: go uh welcome to this week's episode welcome of murder most Irish. Most Irish. Uh, but also a quick question go uh oh favorite most that. you don't have any fucking friends except me who are you texting my niece oh, um, nikita favorite birthday memory oh god don't
1: ask me that's go down a dark path <laughs> hey go my favorite birthday memory is my 30th birthday when i didn't know you guys were all gonna be in the place having the dinners with me because um, I've never had a surprise birthday before. So uh, I was, was
0: nice. really nervous about that. I was like, "This cunt's gonna leave."
1: <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> I actually was. I turned. I walked in. And I was like, "I was gonna go back." Yeah. But that was probably my favorite because I've never had a surprise birthday before. So oh. that was really nice. What's your favorite birthday memory?
0: Uh, my actual uh, my 30th birthday when oh. Ian's all surprised me in the Angler's Rest. Yes, that was. And so Graham did nice. like a really good job. He did a great and job. My, I I don't like many pictures of myself, but there's a picture of me and Lily blowing out my. Birthday cake. Yes, because I'd like Lily was like she wasn't brand new, but she was new. She was a baby. Like, um, yeah. and um, it's like my favorite picture of me. The only thing I regret is that I'm wearing a dress that like I just wasn't planned to like meet all of my. What family. dress are we wearing? I'm wearing this like gray. Like it's a it's a it's a cute dress, but it's just a like day dress. It's like something I'd wear to work. Day dress. You know the way I wear it. <laughs> ah! Ah! Um, you looked fabulous And that was a great day I really enjoyed uh, that that, yeah, was that was so nice. fun
1: What's your um, Least Favourite birthday memory Everything up to that <laughs> All of them uh. I hate my birthday Here's what I do On my birthday True story So I get up in the morning of my birthday And I say Don't anybody text me To wish me happy birthday Because I'm going to cry If you wish me a happy birthday And then I go to work And then I get into bed And Colin goes Do you want food And I say no I want to go to sleep and then I go to sleep. That's my birthday because I'm medically depressed and I'm on Lexapro 15 mg's per day. <laughs> Fifteen what? Fifteen milligrams per, per day.
0: day. Oh. And I take it
1: and it's like crack cocaine to a depressed person. I hate my birthday. Birthday. My birthday sucks. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Mm. Like I just, I don't know what I don't know what that is, but then I Google before people who hate their birthdays, and they were like, "Oh, it's completely normal to, if you hate your birthday, if you, if you have depression." Just like I don't years. have
0: depression. I hate my birthday. You
1: hate your birthday. Yeah, but I think that's because of how we grow up. Yeah, Let's
0: I have like birthday. so my 16th birthday. Mm-hmm. My 16th birthday. I wrote smallest violin. Um, I was like expecting to come so I was like I had to go to school expecting like a sweet sixteen. I was expecting to come home and there'd be no! like a big deal oh, I'm and uh, I went in and I wanted an iPod shuffle shuffle for a shuffle a roux no a nano I wanted a an nano. iPod nano for okay. my birthday and uh, I got told I didn't have to pay rent that month <laughs> That's a lot. And then um, I got paid because I was working. I got paid. Hold then... on. <laughs> Wait a second.
1: So you walked in and you were like, "Sweet sixteen, and I'm blushing and I'm beautiful," <laughs> and your mom was like, "You don't parent."
0: Yeah, my mom was like, "Oh, yeah you don't parent this month, so you can go buy your iPod Nano this month yourself." That's not a present. <laughs> That's like your own fucking money. And then was like, "Don't tell your dad." I and when know. you get the iPod Nano, tell him that, like, we what bought it. F- and I was like, no, fuck you. And then the worst thing about it was I bought the iPod Nano and it broke. No! And I had to, like, I had to, like bring it back to the shop where I bought it. And then it was a whole rigmarole of Apple. And I was like, Do you know what? I don't even want the fucking iPod Nano. And then I did get the iPod Nano in the end. But, yeah, it took a while. I didn't get it to, like. Stop having kids if you don't want kids. Yeah. If I,
1: I always say, if I ever had a rap name, it'd be Little Mistake. Little Mistake. Little Mistake. I'm a Little Mistake. I'm a Little Mistake. My mom fucked my dad, and he didn't (laughs) wear a condom, and that's what she had. But that's what I feel. (laughs) Colin Little mistakes How many little mistakes Are listening to this How many
0: little Most of the people That listen to our little Little um, I love when I hear That people have found out They're a little mistake
1: Little mistake Oh my mum was 41 When she had me her mum was 41 And you were a little mistake Yeah Those change of life babies Change of life babies Little mistake. Yeah Catherine was a little mistake Love you Catherine She doesn't listen to this But uh, Catherine was a little mistake Richie um,
0: Was Richie a little mistake yeah. Really? Yeah. For real? I, I'm not 100% certain on that. I know there was like, conversations around the fact that it was a boy. Um, oh yeah, because she only had two girls. Yeah, but she had, my mum had had boys, but they didn't live. They didn't describe, yeah. And then my mum had been pregnant with boys and she didn't carry them really well. Um, and then when she was pregnant on Richie, she knew it was a boy because of how she was carrying. Um, and then when he lived, well, well like she continue like the pregnancy succeeded this motherfucker just (laughs) all of the pictures all of the pictures of my brother when he's a baby he has his penis (laughs) no that's so cute though (laughs) because my dad was like it's a boy it's a fucking boy and like most of the pictures honestly of richie as a baby are him on the bed and my dad. And my dad's guitar, and Richie lying next oh, to it. Oh, that's pretty. And then sweet, Sarah. in every other photo where he's, where anyone is in the photo, it's my dad, and he's got no top on. Listen, he's living his best life. <laughs> Do you ever? Here's a question.
1: Do you ever meet people mm-hmm. and they tell you stories about their family life, and you
0: get jealous? No, not anymore. I used to. I and did. I never really got jealous when anyone would talk to me about their family life but if I was ever in someone's family life so if I was ever like in Yvonne's or in Leslie's yes. and yes, saw is. what like how other people live, yes, too. and sometimes with Leslie in particular she used to fight with her mother she never fought with her mum that often to be honest but she would fight with her mum and they'd be like in my opinion there were like non-fights they were just kind of Yeah and I'd be like Leave your man alone Um, Like and I like I I was jealous of like The simple obvious things So like Leslie had chores So Leslie had chores on a Sunday So Leslie had boundaries Yeah right So Leslie had to like Do chores on a Sunday And there was a rotation of chores Between her and her siblings And one of them was She had to clean the bathroom And Leslie always hated Cleaning the bathroom And whenever she had to Clean the bathroom I always helped her Because I like cleaning the bathroom Isn't that so fucking weird I I totally relate to this and I was always like this is like and she used to get like pocket money for chores. Yeah.
1: we Yeah we didn't get pocket money. That and was not a thing. Leslie
0: like. had a job and I had a job as well but Leslie had a job and her mum took 33% of all of her anything she earned. Pop off. Because she was like in the tax. In the real world. That's what you're going to have to pay. That's what you're going to have to pay to live. So like no matter what you earn if you're living at home I will take 33% of it. Right. And like in my house it wasn't 33%. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I totally get that. Um, and so I was, yeah, but as I got older, nah.
1: Yeah, I think as I got older... My
0: friends were all jealous of my family life. Was that because it was a... There was was freedom. Freedom,
1: yeah. And that is the thing I think, but I think most people crave structure and most people crave boundaries. Mm -hmm. They just, when they have it, they don't realise how lucky that they have it because when you have boundaries and you have structure, to the point of abuse, that's a totally different thing. But it shows that somebody is trying to teach you... Or cares about you. Or cares about you. This is how the world works and I want you to be able... Whereas... a lot of parents don't have
0: that it's like I don't give a fuck what you do mm-hmm. just do whatever you want like yeah. I think that's that like, but well. I think because I didn't have like there was little to no boundaries and because I didn't have structure it took a really long time for me to become an adult yeah me too and yeah, 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 for yeah. me to become like I became an adult really young right yeah. in certain ways but to become like a functioning like to be like I gotta keep money for this I gotta yeah. pay this I to become like this. one yeah. that was like understood money and understood the yes. importance of a yes. job and understood credit and understood how, how credit works work. and all those things it right. took longer than anyone else let me ask you
1: this uh, so Sarah Jane yeah forced friendship how,
0: how about forced was your friendship? week
1: Colm and column column my friend's them mm-hmm. uh when they used to be in college you wanna pull that off one. when they used to be in college they used to rent out a room to play music and Colin would always say to me we're just paying to be friends I'm why like, would they rent out a room to play music because they'd want to be like they had a band so oh like, okay and he's like we're just paying to be friends and I'm like that's me mean Sarah Jane you paying to be friends
0: Oh, but we're not because we're not paying no we're not we don't free, make any in my room um, yeah my week was interesting I went to the doctor Sarah was very sick yeah so I went to the doctor and had like the worst experience of my life In a doctor's office And I've had loads of shit ones yeah. Tons of them And to be fair actually All of the shit ones Revolved the same doctor Cause he's shit And like an idiot I just kept going back to him You get your vaccination off him And then you fuck off And leave him alone Yeah so I've written The letter of complaint Oh have you? Okay. Um, but it. I'm not going to send it Until after okay, Yeah fair enough um, So I vaccine. had um Like a A numbness in my right side of my face I started to feel like I'd lost like strength in my lip and strength in my eye so obviously I was like panicking and then I had like a migraine for like two weeks that I just couldn't get rid of and it was like a really specific migraine then so I was like right I'm just gonna have to and I, I you were obviously involved yeah. so I was like I'm just gonna have to go to the doctor and I'm just gonna have to like if I can't go to the doctor I'm gonna have to go to a and I was that like freaked out by that yeah. so I rang the doctor's office on Monday, like first thing. Yeah, and was like, right, I have to. Is there? Does the doctor have any availability for urgent appointments? Uh, well, he doesn't start till ten. Okay, fine. So ring. I said my symptoms. Yeah, and I said I've I've had the COVID vaccine, but it was over three weeks ago, so I don't believe it's related to that. Yeah, um, because one of the symptoms of the Pfizer vaccine is you can get uh, Bell's palsy, and I had. Numbass. Bell's palsy before, yeah. so I was like, right. Um. Anyway, rang the rang the doctor's office at quarter past ten. Asked if the doctor had like come in and if they'd like spoken to him. The receptionist was like, "Yeah, we've spoken to him. Um, he's very busy," is what she said to me. Okay, and I was like, "That's okay." And I was like, super polite, and Graham was with me, and I was like, "That's no problem. I understand." I think with the symptoms i'm having they're just getting worse they're not getting better i think i'm gonna go to a and e um and uh she was like no no no, don't go to a and e let me ring you back and then i was like um oh, I'm, I'm, go. I'm just gonna go so yeah. we got in the car and as we got in the car i got a phone call once we got to james's that was like oh the doctor will see you at half eleven can you come here for half eleven and i was like right okay and Like, Graham was like, well, by the time we get back, it'll be half eleven. So let's just go and see if we can get a letter rather than crowd A&E. Yeah. All those things. So we went back to the doctor, walked into the doctor's office, said, hey, I've got a point for half eleven. Went into the doctor's office and he tried to take my blood, asked me to list my symptoms. And I said to him, I don't think it's the vaccine. And he was like, oh, I'm I'm glad you don't think it's the vaccine. Like, super, like, passive... Past remarkable. Yeah. And then tried to take my blood pressure and couldn't take my blood pressure. And then... Is that because you were so stressed? I don't know why he couldn't get it. Okay. Um, And then was like, right, well, I listened to your chest then. And then listened to my chest and was like, yeah, that sounds fine. Okay. And then listened to my chest over my clothes and was like, oh no, actually, can you take your top off? So I took my top off and then he was like, well, um... Okay, then he did what's like a nerve test, which is what they do to see if you're having a stroke. Okay. And I was like, I'm not having a stroke. And he was like, well, how do you know? And I was like, because I had a stroke before you know what it feels and like. I know what it feels like. Yeah. And my symptoms on my face are not like, I don't have like the same symptoms as when you're having a stroke. Yeah. yeah, So, and he was like, well, okay, Well, let we'll do them. So he did them. And then he went to me, uh, like this was Monday obviously and he was like, Well, like t- tried to have my blood pressure in total four times. Right. Then got more and more annoyed Is that he couldn't get, get blood my pressure? blood pressure. Okay. And then was like, come back to me on Wednesday. Take nice. a picture of your face. <laughs> oh my god. And if it changes considerably when well, obviously that's urgent so go to A&E but if not come back to me on Wednesday I told him that I had like a positional migraine I told him I was in agony with my head at that point I hadn't slept at all Yeah, you, were de- you were uh, for like four or five days yeah. the numbness of my face was like considerable and the difference in my lip grain could notice so yeah. I was like I'm not imagining Something this is wrong, yeah. and then he went to me so that'll stop you ringing the office then <sighs> and then I just got up and I left, Sarah. I'm and sorry, honey. I just like walked out. Graham was sitting in reception, and I was like, "We may as well just let's just go." I didn't even go to reception to pay. You I slept. literally was like, "I'm not, I'm not paying for this ever shit ever coming here again." No, fuck and up. then I got out to the door, and I can only describe as having like a full on panic attack. I said to Graham, "Like, am I losing my mind? Like, is this not happening to me? Like, I I know I'm in pain, and I know no. I've got a headache, and yeah. I know I've like just something wrong with my face, yeah. like." Like Something panicking really And then I was like Like am I being like A hyper contract Like why did he tell me To like stop calling I only called three times To try and get an appointment Like he was so rude to me A dick A dick And then I went like So Graham was like We're, we're just going to go And what we're going to do Is we're going to go to a and He's like before we go to a and We're going to get our stuff together We're going to yeah. get ready He was like we're going to have lunch You're going to calm down And we're going to bring And you. we're going to go And we went up to the house And when I got into the house Graham made me a sandwich And my niece Nikita rang me and was like why don't you go to this other doctor who I told her to go to months like years ago and I was like oh I don't know and she was like just ring her she's a great doctor yeah within 20 minutes of me leaving and I'm going to say his name Dr. O'Shea's office I went to another doctor and had a full diagnosis of what was wrong with me and what treatment was going to be done and this motherfucker Made you feel like shit,
1: A, made you feel like you were crazy, B, and then told you to come back on Wednesday. Told
0: me to like sit around for like two more days when in you agony. Were in
1: agony, and not only in agony, terrified as mm. to what was going on with you. And you went to see this doctor, the second doctor, and she gave you a diagnosis and was like, we're going to fix you up. Oh,
0: like within sec, Like within, within fucking minutes. Within like. three minutes of like looking at me, she took my blood pressure. She did the same tests, and I said to her about my history, and she was like, okay. And then took like one look in my ear and was like you have an ear infection and she was like and you have a severe ear infection and I was like oh okay and she was like all we need to do is is get you sorted get that ear infection sorted get that cleaned out." and then unfortunately after I got the ear cleaned out, it didn't rectify but now I just have a sinus I have a really bad sinus infection you
1: know it's wrong yeah that's the thing it's like knowing what's wrong is fucking 50% of the battle dude like just being like I don't I know I'm not crazy and there's I'm not making this up there's something very wrong
0: with me yeah I came out of that doctor's office and I was like what the fuck am I like losing it like I was like so stressed out I know down. I know you were um anyway and then the other doctor was like like that guy's a dick don't go back to him. a dick so get your second vaccine on Thursday, and then I'm never going to see him again and as the
1: kids say dip Dip. They say dip. Dip. What does that mean? It means like go. Like oh, drop them. Just just get rid of them. Oh, okay. Dipped. Do that. i gotta to ghost him. Ghost that motherfucker. Yeah.
0: Anyway, how was your week? Uh, is it Oh, good? we went to holidays. Oh, we did. We went a oh, holiday. So funny.
1: <laughs> we were behaving like we were fully, <laughs> fully on holidays. Sarah and I just went 20 minutes in the road to the city centre of Dublin. Spent two days in a hotel. It was really nice though. It was a really we got nice drunk, hotel. We ate food. We, we watched murder, she, murder wrote. she
0: wrote we drank green early in the morning we slept we
1: ate cheese it I was, had a nap Sarah had a nap a long nap where she snored like the dead yeah and then we had uh, we had a great time
0: yeah we had a lovely lovely time we stayed in the
1: Hyatt the Hyatt centric, centric, centric in the, the Liberties. Liberties the new one Just across, and they were lovely and the place was, the was so books. nice so nice we stayed there we had a great time everything was amazing I'm so glad we went and it was lovely. I think it was needed it was desperately needed yeah we were like We were absolutely behaving Like we were on holidays In another country Oh you country. know it was a great time Just acting like we
0: were yeah, I got a taxi to Smithfield where I got a taxi From
1: the liberties If you know where the liberties are To Smithfield Sarah Jane Was like I'm getting a taxi
0: And I watched uh, Four episodes
1: of Murder, Show. <laughs> if not more If not more uh, yeah. I feel like we watched More than that We had a great time She's lovely. a nosy cunt Nosy old bitch Someone needs um, But it was lovely We had a lovely time I really enjoyed myself actually
0: I had the I best. I feel like time. I
1: slightly feel like I'm still on holidays at the moment. I don't know what that's about. Like I haven't It's our one year anniversary. I haven't like taken an, oh No, yeah. I've been since we came back. I've been like Because no.
0: i 'Cause I'm gonna come back someday today's Tuesday.
1: Look at all these bubbles on the
0: floor. Um are you watching anything? Have you seen anything? I will Have you say again.
1: Read anything? I will say again. Oh Bo. Watch Bo Burnham's special inside on Netflix. It's amazing. He is a white man. We know this. Probably can't be trusted. But Inside is incredible. Um, It's painful and funny and beautiful and amazing. And he did an incredible job. And really and truly, there's nothing like it at the moment. So watch that. It's great. If you have depression, eh, wait. No, watch it if you have depression. It's okay. He has depression too. It's okay. Uh, I've been watching Startup. Startup. I need to start. I need to watch
0: this on Netflix, right? It's very good. I need to watch this. I'm shocked. I shocked at how good it is. I, will, I wasn't expecting it to be good. I will watch it. I will definitely, definitely And I'm watch watching it. The Biggest Art Heist, is oh, that yes. what it's called? <laughs> um, I'm nearly finished that. Uh, I watched Killing the Mormons. Oh, uh, yeah, the Mormon documentary. The I watched that with my dad. Yeah, it's crazy. It's my crazy
1: dad mad. was it's crazy
0: My dad was like, within 10 minutes, my dad it's went. My dad so like, I'm so like my dad. My dad went to me. Uh, where's he getting all the fucking documents? <laughs> <laughs> but it's fascinating. How's he only fun? He went to me, How's he only fun? Is he Indiana Jones? <laughs> I like, like, I am your daughter. It is fascinating to
1: watch though. like Fascinating. Yeah, Colin that Munchen's guy's a song. fucking sociopath. Yeah, Colin watched it as well, you, and, and he was like, What the fuck? I was like, It's great. It's very, very good.
0: Uh, I've, I've been listening to Adam Buxton. Adam and Buxton. I started that one about the Callahan guy oh the um what about the guy in um the
1: kid in
0: uh, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah kid in blanchettown
1: what's the name of that again i
0: can not remember uh you have
1: to tell people to watch it and listen to it so they get two episodes but it's
0: great you sent it to me on something i can't remember what the fucking name is you were like listen to
1: this listen to this it's really good yeah yeah it's great it's great yeah your man is telling your uh, man is a uh, fucking it's going back i oh, know he's not uh,
0: it is called. I think I. Followed. He was on Claire, Bun- Claire Byrne Claire Burn last night. Oh yeah. Yeah. And Claire Byrne was like, "Oh my
1: god. Oh my god. No way. No. Are you serious? Like, and tell us what you were doing with the drugs. What were you doing? Were you taking the drugs? Because we don't like drug takers in this show. Arts, Fitness. Here we are. Now I will tell you the name of the show. Now it is called, The Witness, and it is. Fucking great. Uh, it is about a guy called Joseph O'Callaghan, who was the youngest person in Ireland to be ever put in witness protection. Yeah. Because he witnessed a murder of a gangland criminal. He didn't witness it. He was there.
0: He wasn't there. Was he not? No. Where was he? He was in the house, and they came back after shooting no. the fella. and said, we shot the fella. No, and they were like, we shot the fella, and they made him burn like their yeah. leathers oh my god that's fucked up man He's and a kid. then um made him go down and bury the gun and then said to him if you tell anybody we're going to kill you kill but him. also he like the whole story like that's only half of the story half of the story but it's called the witness it's very very good um that guy
1: is amazing the fact that he actually did what he did so if you want to listen it's great
0: we love it housekeeping yeah. It's so our one-year anniversary last week, and we celebrated. And uh, all the people on Facebook that messaged us and said happy one year and have supported us and all those things. Rosie checks me and put up a lovely post. Did she? That was in Irish. Oh, skierga. <laughs> yeah, which I'm going to attempt. Rosie, to none of us can read that Rosie, come on. It to says it. La Brash no, on duit. Is that la a happy On a ditch. Happy <laughs> There you go, thanks very much. Oh, Jesus, Sarah, it's bad time. I to don't have... know Irish.
1: <laughs> Say it again there. La Bretha, ditch. That's not even a word. La Bretha, ditch. La Bretha. La Bretha.
0: But there's no L in it. <laughs> La Bretha, ditch. Happy birthday to us all. Happy one year. Happy Who birthday. knew? Happy birthday, Bolly. Um, and you a lot of people everybody. are asking for certain merch to be come back or to be made. What do they want? So, people are looking for allegedly to be made.
1: Allegedly. People are looking for
0: stuff for Bacher Bailey. Uh, people are looking for the uh, 84 Cunts posters to be made. Okay, we need to do that. I'll get on um, to Phoebe about that. So we actually need to get our fingers out and get some I shit I'll get on to Phoebe about that.
1: Attention feminists. Murder Most Irish merchandise available now from teespring.com. Plain boring old teas getting you down. Hey buddy, does your huddy scream fuddy duddy? Spruce up your wardrobe with brand new and improved MMI apparel exclusively from teespring.com. Don't be a mug, buy one of ours, like to steal things? Conceal your identity at the local shop and go with a kooky face mask. Be the swingin'est crazy bag lady on the block with our organic totes. Murder most Irish merchandise at Teespring.com for all your murder feminist needs. Teespring.com is a third party
0: company. All stock manufacturing, purchases and refunds are handled exclusively by them. Any queries should be directed to www.teespring.com.
1: You've successfully paid out. You're a stupid whore. <laughs> um. Right. Your mother is disappointed in you. Hello, friends, family, everybody in between. Sarah's going to do a story.
0: Will I do a story? Yes, of course. I know, but it's eleven o'clock at night. Do your story. Sure. Positive. Okay. I'm. Ex- I'm not excited
1: because this is going to be horrific. I imagine. Yeah. Pretty sure it's going to be horrific. Um. So you do your story
0: this week. I'm going to talk about. The story of Patricia Murphy. Okay. Oh, okay. So, Men's rail. I listened to uh, the Men's rail one. um, The Irish Times. Okay. The Journal.ie. Okay. The Independent. And that's really it. Perfect. Um, So, Patricia Murphy was born in London in October 1962. And soon after, her father and mother broke up. Her mother shortly... Travel back home to Kilrush County Clare and raised Patricia, sorry, as a single mother. Patricia and her mum, Biddy. Isn't Biddy a great Biddy name? Biddy is a great name. We're very close and spent all of their time together. <laughs> Patricia worked in an ice cream factory after she left the convent of Mercy School and then she worked in a local hotel as a waitress. She wanted to be close to her mother and uncle. So when they moved back to Clare she um her mum moved in with her brother and her sister and I think she has another sister who was uh like estranged from their mother okay um they all lived in this house with their uncle so she wanted to be close to her mother and uncle so she like only ever really worked in and around Claire and she never left um Patricia loved to dance and on Saturday night she travelled eight miles by bus to Kilrush uh, from Carosh to Atlantic City Hotel in Kilkee, the hotel needed the disco go- disco goers in the winter uh, due to the absence of tourists. And she once won a holiday to Spain as a dancing prize. Like oh, apparently, she so was cool. like a really good dancer. Really good dancer. Um, it was like a disco night. Um, in and in the nineteen eighties, that's where Patricia met David Murphy. Okay. So she used to go to this hotel, and in the nineteen eighties, is where she met David Murphy. This guy's come back. David was a handyman and he'd arrived in Clare to install a set of lights in the disco in the Atlantic. He decided to stick around and took odd jobs, but mostly worked as a handyman in the hotel. Some staff say he was charming and polite and that he would help around, but that he was quiet and did not mix socially. One thing that everyone was aware of in the entire seaside town was that David loved the slot machines, he was obsessed with them and he would spend all of his spare time at them. My nanny was obsessed with slot machines. I remember telling you that before. Yeah. Love them. They make me unhappy. They make me unhappy too. Yeah. Remember when we were in Vegas? When we were in Vegas so and you see all people. those old people. Yeah. Now my nanny happen. used to have like a roll and a limit and she'd go down and she'd Like I'm gonna stop at this point. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah, she yeah. would go and like I was always like, You're not gonna win like you're not <laughs> you're not making any money here. Nanny, come on to um, full. But she'd like bring like tea and like sandwiches like oh. she wasn't down there drinking and smoking. Yeah, yeah. She'd yeah, bring yeah. like a ham and cheese sandwich and a like flask of tea. Gosh. She'd be making tea and off for the men like the skirt <laughs> Um. So he and Patricia were dating on and off and in and around this time David had an affair with a teenage girl and she fell pregnant. David had made a decision not to support her and Patricia's family found this repugnant and they found it difficult to like kind of grow a relationship so with him. So he was
1: dating Patricia and then got a teenager pregnant? Yeah. And then was like fuck you I'm not going to support your kid. Mm-hmm. Eek.
0: Um, So they were aware of it and they found it repugnant and they made Patricia aware of it, but she nevertheless decided she was going to stick by him. Oh, Patricia. Uh, she stuck with David and stood by his side and in May 1987, she and David were married. Now, there was a story that she was pregnant when they decided to get married, but okay. that she didn't, the uh, pregnancy wasn't successful Okay, and she miscarried, but... It kind of was a story from David and no one else They were married in a small ceremony in Kilrush David had no friends to attend the wedding And he'd like no one at the wedding that was like from his side What? And even his best man was Patricia's friend After they got married The couple moved into a council house on Wilson Road And David started working as a kitchen fitter and electrician in the town Their first child, a girl, was born in April 1988 but very quickly the cracks in the marriage began to show to outsiders no. shortly after their baby was born Patricia was running out of the house after Murphy had pushed her at a friend's birthday party he was seen catching Patricia by her throat and squeezing Ugh. during another row in a dining room of the Atlantic Hotel That's a friend walked so nice. in and he heard shouting and breaking of crockery he saw Patricia crying and backing away from her husband as he walked towards her with a butcher's knife held oh, by for his side fuck's
1: sake, sorry. Yeah
0: and yet to other friends they seemed a happy couple she called him Dohi, and he called her Collie and she had a pet name put on the on a nameplate and hung on her bedroom door even her closest friends only knew some of what was going on Teresa Copley and Patricia became friends and after Patricia married David there was a lot she kept to herself Teresa said she cried outside my house once saying that he had threatened to take the kids if she didn't move to Dublin Aww. Teresa also saw bruises and I often saw her with marks and she told me she'd banged her head on the kitchen doors or fell over kind of made excuses. excuses. And then there was the money trouble. Patricia began hiding money from her husband because she didn't she didn't want him to blow it on slot machines or things they didn't need. He began to take on jobs that he could not finish or he didn't cost properly so the raw materials would cost more than what he quoted. She told... Uh, Teresa once about time that they were on the beach in Kilkei and David said he was going to go and get ice cream and he was gone for hours. It was getting dark so she gathered up the kids and found him in the arcades playing the slot machines. Oh dude, this sucks. In 1994, they left Claire and headed for Dublin. Patricia did not want to leave her family but David said there would be better work available to them and Patricia left and David Patricia left and David became a self employed carpenter and electrician. However, the same pattern emerged in Claire, that, that emerged in Claire, emerged in Dublin. Debt collectors began knocking on the door. David continued on the same path of being an absolute idiot and a total cunt. Jeez. David persuaded her to take out credit union loans, according to friends. Saying it was needed for a deposit on a house. So he told her to go to a credit union and take out a deposit, take out a loan. And when the 2000 was cashed, he spent it on a car. The head of the credit union often asked her how the house was going. And if only he, she would say, if only he knew my house was on wheels. Aww. And Patricia had to cope In a small village where her husband's debts were mounting and people whose jobs he left unfinished were her friends and their neighbours. He was taking money from people and not doing the job and she was the one who had to answer the door. Friends say she only opened the front door after peeking out through the curtains to be sure it wasn't one of her husband's creditors. I fucking hate this dude. Yeah. But she kept her head high. She adored her children. She kept her house spotless. And then after her third child... Patricia was diagnosed with cervical cancer. Oh, no. Her friend Teresa said, I remember she came into my kitchen, stood by my sink and burst out crying, saying that she'd been diagnosed with cancer. She fought it really hard. She fought it for her kids and she began treatment in Galway and it was successful. And Patricia's wish to have a fourth child was fulfilled despite the cancer. And her last baby was a baby girl and she was born in January in Dublin on January 11th, 1996. By this time, the debts were mounting and the credit union had begun to take legal action against David and Patricia for a £9,000 death. And in early 1996, Patricia had contacted her mother and asked her to get a form for an application to the council in Clare for a council house. She was planning to come back to Clare and leave David. She had had enough. She told her mother, Biddy that she could not pull her kids through anymore. And her eldest at this point was eight and she could see the effects it was having on her children. Christmas 1995, which Biddy had attended, had been a m- miserable one for all of the children and Biddy had Biddy had witnessed her daughter sobbing all day in her Dublin bedroom. Oh, this sucks, Sarah. Biddy was willing to help to do anything to support her grandchildren and get her daughter back and she got the forms and sent them up to Patricia. So at 8.45 a.m. on Monday morning, May 28, 1996, Murphy phoned. So David phoned Biddy to ask if Patricia was in Clare. Okay. He told Biddy she had not returned the night before. And an hour later, he phoned back to say that she had, he had found her and that she had stayed with friends on Bray and was on her way home. When Biddy put down the phone, she saw the shadow of two policemen at her door. And as she opened the door, she said, "I knew she wouldn't stop." And then she looked at them again and said, "She's dead." Uh, on the eight, on the twenty-eighth of May at eight a.m., a construction a construction worker was walking through a laneway to the rise in Glass Nevin. He walked past a yellow skip and some pallets, and then the man noticed a woman. ...dressed in nothing but her underwear... ...lying in the fetal position... ...facing the wall... ...he knew instantly that she was dead... ...the construction worker covered her with his jumper... ...and called 999... ...he said he had found a dead body... ...a dead woman... ...and the, the police showed up... ...and cordoned off the area... ...later that evening the chief state pathologist had arrived and the Garda already had their suspicion of whom the lady was, as a number of hours earlier, a woman had been reported missing by her husband in the local area. A worker in Lismore House, where Patricia had just started working two weeks previously, provisionally identified the body as Patricia. Patricia lived less than 200 metres away from where her body had been found. She lived with her four children, aged eight, five and three, and her four-month-old baby girl along with her husband, David. She had been reported missing at 1am the night before by her husband, and there was confirmation that she had been strangled and beaten. She had marks on her body, a mark around her neck, and an indentation of a belt buckle was clearly seen in her neck, but she had not been sexually assaulted. Her clothes had not been found with the body, and the locals were asked to check their bins and gardens to see if anything had been dumped. She also had been placed on a plastic bag where she was dumped in the laneway and there was also a tray of like a baby's pram found very close to Patricia. Patricia's funeral mass was held in Corpus Christi Church near her home in Dublin. Her family and friends travelled to pay pay their respects and searches in the area turned up a large amount of clothing. So at the same time, Patricia's life insurance and all of that was paid out and it was to the amount of £9,000. But in terms of, like, her funeral, it was, like, a really cheap funeral. And David didn't even pay for her to have a gravestone. And all of their friends in their local area in last Nevin paid to have so a he just them the nine
1: grand and, go, nine
0: grand and put, her body, put her body in the ground. Fuck! So... David was arrested on June 6th on suspicion of murder. He was detained at Santry Garda station for 12 hours and re- was released without charge. The Garda announced that they were preparing a file for the DPP. He had been arrested after a bag of clothing belonging to him and Patricia was found in the Tulka River. And a witness had seen a man throwing the bag into the river just after midnight on the night of May 28. He was outside his home with his dog when he saw a man matching David's description on the bridge with a bag. He then heard a splash and saw the bag hit the river and in early September... So he was then let go, yeah, right? Yeah. In early September, David was then rearrested, but there was a question over the legality of the arrest. This was quashed by the judge as there was now a witness that had seen David close to where the body was found and the person that had seen the bag being thrown into the river had also come forward. Um, and... David and Patricia's landlord had reported a conversation he had with David, where he said to the guard, "He said the guard would be waiting for a long time to crack." This was so he was like caught talking to the landlord and saying, "Listen, I'm moving on, paid his rent, and I was like, the guard think I did it, but they'll have to wait a while before I crack because this guy's a whole dumbass." Jesus Christ. However, during the hearing, the figure of the arrest, uh, during the hearing to figure if the arrest was legitimate, uh, the time it took to figure that out had elapsed in terms of like detaining David and he was now free and could not be arrested. Oh my God. So he's free to go. He's free to go because they took too long to decide (gasps) and he couldn't be arrested now until new evidence emerged again. Wonderful. I love the Gardaí, eh? So now in April 1997, David oh, is arrested say. again. This time he's charged with murder and remanded to custody. He is appealed to bail and the following Monday, bail is granted. The trial begins in, in December 1998 and David enters the plea immediately of not guilty. So the next thing I'm going to talk about is a court case because court case is really important because there's a thing that happens during this court case that I don't think has ever happened since. Okay. But it It's the first time in the history in Ireland that ch- his own children yeah. three minors were yeah. going to give evidence through video link oh wow to uh, essentially against their father, okay. Six video screens were installed in the court and the jurors watched for almost two hours of evidence recorded last year. So it's recorded in uh, the year previous to this, it's 1997. Okay. When the three children were examined in a video... So they're shown the video footage but also the children give a live testimony. Okay. Um, and it's here before the district court and Judge James Paul McDonnell Um. The judge trial, Mr. Justice Cyril Kelly, wrote the video link evidence admissible under the Section 16 of the Criminal Evidence Act of 1992. Um, so, on tape, since so the first one, a nine and a half year old girl was the first child to take her place on the video room. She linked by television screen to the council and the district judge, who were sitting in the courtroom in a building opposite. So, these were in the building away from the actual okay. case. The girl was eight at the time of her mother's death and Judge MacDonald addressed her. He told her, you're going to be talking about the circumstances of how your mummy came to die. And in answer to this question, she said she understood what it meant to swear and tell the truth. Otherwise, you'd get into trouble and be sent to jail. She said before going to take the oath. So she was like saying, I'm aware of what's happening here. Yeah. She recalled getting up on Monday, May 27th and having breakfast and going to school. She says, Our ma kissed us goodbye and then her dad dropped us down in the car. Her father collected her and another brother and her other brother at 2.30 and when they got out of school. When they got home, their mother wasn't there and we were waiting for her to come home and make us our lunch. But then she didn't and we said we'd give it 15 more minutes her father went out looking for her mother and then he returned they all went out looking again and then they walked around the nearby Royal roads and when they gave up and came home they all went upstairs for a rest later her father went out again she said and when he came back he said he still could not find her mother he went upstairs and then came back down and went back out again to look and on his return he said no luck." then she went upstairs to bed she said the last time she saw her mother alive was the previous morning and we just waved her off at the door and then she was gone the judge said did you ever see your mum dead yes in the garage the girl replied oh. she supposed her then three year old brother had gone down to the garage because he heard a noise but he had come upstairs and said there was a monster in the garage the girl said she went downstairs and turned off the alarm and went in to have a look she said it was all dark she said then the light went on and her dad was standing at the door her two brothers were there were there with her and she said we could see our mom's body lying against the wall oh for fuck's sake the brother closest in age to her had ran into the door to try to get out and her father had held her youngest brother by the hand they were then told to go up to bed and when the father came upstairs he slapped us (sighs) Ah. The next day we went to school and in the morning I said to dad what was in the garage and he said that was just a monster. The girl told Miss Air, Mary Ellen Ring uh, defending she had spoken to at least four women Garda and neighbour and a number of people at Temple Street and at the Matter Hospital since her mother's death. She agreed with Miss Ring she taught her father was walking when he went out looking for her mother and that maybe the car wasn't there that day. So that, like that the whole point of this is that they were trying to like distinguish if the body was there like the, whole, the day. whole day. She said that she had checked on her four-month-old baby sister who was crying from her cot in her parents' room that night. Normally she went to bed at 8.30 she said but that night it may have been 11 or 11.30. She did not know it was later and under further cross-examination she said her younger brother would sometimes come home with ghost stories but he never spoke of swamp swamp monsters. Was there a swamp monster in the house, Miss Ring asked. She said, no, there was one in the garage. There was one in the garage, she was asked. Well, I thought it was at first, but then I saw it and it was my mum. So no, there wasn't. Oh my God, these poor children. The child told Miss Ring when she was asked by a woman's police officer if she'd seen her mother's body in the garage. She said, I told her no for about a month and then I told her. She said, I thought about telling her first, but I thought I'd get into trouble with my dad. The other thing that's important to know is that when she was going up to check on her sister, the four-month-old, she said that there was no one in the house. So she said she her was going. not there. She said she was going and she said also her mum wasn't there. Oh, God. The second child of the Murphys to give evidence was seven-and-a-half-year-old boy. This is really sad and I cried when I wrote this. He began sobbing when Miss, Mr. Birmingham passed from introductory. Oh, jeez. Questions asking about when his mother died. After several moments of distress and interrupted video recording, he resumed to give evidence. A court steward had to hold his hand. Oh, he's a baby. He remembers his younger brother coming up the stairs and saying, it's a monster, it's a monster, and that it was in the garage. He said he went in every room looking for his dad, but his dad wasn't there. He followed the others to the garage where he said his sister turned on the light. He saw... He said he saw this body lying on the floor. He said, it was my mum's. Then her dad came into the garage. And when he went down to see her, his dad caught his hand before taking him upstairs and slapping him. The child aged five at the time of his mother's death told Miss Ring, his dad had walked into the school to collect him that day. We had no car at the time. So they're saying that there was no car. There's no car. Okay. He remembered sometimes making up stories about ghosts including one called a pizza man and a friend had told him he saw the Swamp Monster on television. He saw it there too but no he didn't see one in his house. He thought what was in the garage was a monster but then he realised it was my man. Oh what the fuck this is horrible. Asked if the police told him he was going to if, if he understood what he was going to talk about He said yes. He replied to Judge MacDonald wishing him a happy Christmas at the end of his evidence. He's a baby. The second youngest of the Murphy children, a five-year-old boy who was three at the time of his mother's death was the last to give evidence. When he came in, he he cried, there's the judge. And the judge said, well spotted. And he kind of like laughed and joked with the judge for a little while. He remembered his mother was lying on the ground in the garage. He said her eyes were closed. He said, I asked her a question, but she didn't answer me. His dad and older brother and sister were in the garage with him. He said, we only saw a rope around her neck. He continued. He didn't say anything happened to her. He, he said he didn't see anything happen to her or anyone touch her at this stage. He agreed that there was a toolbox with a hammer in it in the garage and he was asked, did he ever see it being used? He said, no, not that time, but daddy hammered mommy on the head before. Oh, dude, what the fuck? He said, the judge asked him, what did he hammer daddy with? What did he hammer mommy with? And he said, with a hammer. The five year old told Mrs. Ring he wasn't fed up yet. So, like, they were kind of going back and we're forth. And later in cross examination, he was asked if his father went out looking for his mother. He said he already knew that his mummy was dead because she was there. The witness said asked how this was he replies because he turned on the light. He told Miss Ring his father had woken them up and brought him down to the garage and he mm-hmm. did not go down to the garage alone. He said he was not oh. allowed to go down there and he agreed he believed in ghosts and monsters. Monsters, and he told the defense, defense council, but neither he nor others had ever told stories about ghosts and monster, monsters. Under the re-examination, re-examination of, from Mr. Birmingham, the child repeated, he saw his mother in the garage. I saw daddy hammering her on the head. Oh. The Murphy's next door neighbours then testified and they said that they heard a high pitched scream and muffled shouting from the door on the night Patricia went missing. He also identified the clothing found in the bag as the river as David and Patricia's. A local man came forward and testified that he had helped David move and at the time he thought he was doing a job for the landlord but at the time of doing the job David told him that it was his wife or it, that the woman found at the skip was his wife. And that the Garda were trying to pin it on him, but the Garda were not clever enough to catch him.
1: Oh, fuck you, dude.
0: Excuse me? Multiple neighbours from the estate came forward saying there were signs of abuse and violence throughout their marriage. One neighborhood neighbour testified that she had a conversation with their three-year-old boy at the time and he had said that mummy was sleeping in the garage and that daddy had hit mummy with a closed fist and then demonstrated on the neighbour how Daddy had hit Mummy. Oh, this is so fucked up. The court heard about the debts and the stealing money from his children. So David had stole his eldest daughter's communion money, stole the money for her communion dress sent by Biddy. The jury then heard statements from David that he had given during questioning. He had said Patricia wanted to leave and go back to Clare, and he did not. But he would have done it to keep his family together. He said he did not kill his wife, but also said if they could, if they could tell him how he apparently did it, then he would admit his guilt. This guy's a sociopath. Like he thinks he's smarter than the police. What? The defense had harassed, the defense had harassed, harassed his client and he was quoted as saying he was carrying an all on his shoulders himself and he couldn't talk to anyone or tell anyone the truth. Then Die how i look at it the defense the defense then called the foster parent of the children children saying that when their youngest so in foster care the youngest boy started to talk about what happened to their mother and the middle boy then said now said to him now that was all a nightmare and the defense called her as like well like look at this but like the oldest boy is clearly going to say that to his brother because he doesn't want his brother to remember that of course then David took to the stand himself oh here we go Tabundy. he said he and his wife had a good marriage and they only fought on the odd occasion he was asked about the buggy tray that was found near in the skip near the body he said he was under a great deal of pressure and it could have fallen off the buggy when he was bringing the children to school he said he could not explain how the bag of clothes that were found had his wife's clothes that were taken off her while she was murdered and his clothes. Oh, for fuck's sake! The prosecution asked if his son was defending him when he said the body in the garage was a dream. He said it was not a defence; it was just a truth. They also wheeled in the buggy that belonged to uh, David and Patricia, and clipped the tray that was found in the skip back onto fit. the buggy and a fit like A buggy is a stroller for Americans. Oh yeah, yeah. a stroller or a pram or, or a pushchair. A David said he did not believe their children were torn but that they were given the guard of the response they wanted. David Murphy was then sentenced to life in prison on the 23rd of December. Good! Fuck that dude! Uh, A central criminal court jury returned a verdict 20 hours after first first retiring to consider the verdict and it was unanimously, unanimously found him guilty of murdering his wife. Tomorrow, they, they, on the 23rd of December is when he was convicted. Yep. The 24th was his birthday. Christmas Eve! Mm-hmm. So he would spend his 37th birthday behind bars. Dude, he's the same age as me. I know after a 12 day trial that began on December 2nd the jury of 8 men and 4 women returned at 10.56am yesterday to sorry not yesterday but yep, to okay. deliver the verdict they had spent just under 4 hours deliberating the jury heard 3 of Patricia Murphy's children giving evidence and they said that their mummy was lying dead in the garage and the daddy was there when they saw it the child's testimony was the first time video link evidence had been shown in an Irish murder trial and the jury asked to see it again before reaching a ver- verdict Fuck me. The um Justice Cyril Kelly thanked the jurors for their service and freed them from jury duty for ten years. Good. Uh Murphy hung his head as the judge told him the mandatory sentence would be imposed, which is life in prison. And he's still in prison to this day. Did he ever A admit
1: it or B say why the fuck he did it? No. No reason. No. Other than he was an abusive, controlling asshole who didn't want his wife to leave because she was like, I can't deal with this anymore and I need to get my children out of this situation.
0: Yeah, like, really, all that was about to happen was she was about to leave. But to be honest, she's the only, like, at that point, she got a job in Lismore House. All the debt was, like, she was paying for everything. Honey! And he still murdered her. Mm Mm-hmm. Well I'm glad he's rotting or he It needs sounds to rot. like they, they were in like, like he was obviously Being physically abusive to her From day of one Of course And I'd say what may have happened Is it just got to a point Where he just like Went way
1: too far Yeah And his children now have PTSD So that's great So I fucking And you know what About that case I have never heard of it I've heard of it before And it's only when you mentioned The part in the garage And the kid said it was a monster I've heard that before i heard that case before but just to put your children through that and then try to gaslight them. But then try to gaslight them, yeah. And, and they be, like, be like, I didn't see that. That's not what you saw. That's exactly what they fucking saw. Yeah. Children are so... They're like sponges. Like... They're not dumb. They're incredibly smart and they're probably more aware than we will ever be.
0: Yeah. Lily's a nosy little shit. Like those poor children. She hears everything. Like... Lily would hang
1: you. Oh, hang you. it's right. like... But still I just I feel for her. because there's no need for that woman to be dead. She survived mm-hmm. cervical cancer. Yeah. Had
0: four Had children. Had four children. Had a four month old. And he bangs her he bashes her like, like, and all of her neighbours said that she was just like a lovely, a lovely woman. They or, said that like she was really into speed walking. She was a lovely woman. And she would like quite often ask the neighbours if they want to come like that she was like just a beautiful woman like and she yes. was like the heart and soul of her mammy's life.
1: Kind, beautiful, wonderful women who end up with these men that just abuse abuse them to the ends of the earth like I've said this once and I'll say it again. No man is out of your league. And no man is above you. Please stop thinking that. Like it's not true. It's the biggest lie that we've been fed as women from day fucking one. It's not true. That poor fucking woman and her poor kids. I hope her kids are okay. I know I always say this at the end of every episode but I'm like I really fucking hope her kids are okay. Yeah like her little girls like Like, the same age as us. That's beyond trauma like. Mm. You know what I mean? Like fucking hell. Anyway fuck that dude. Rotten jail motherfucker. God. Everything's garbage Sarah. Ah. Ah!
0: Ah! Calm down. I I think it's just isn't it funny how like when you're brought up as a woman it's like Your role in life is to like be desirable to men. Here's the thing about we're
1: born we're taught blah 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 blah, and
0: men are brought up where boys are are brought up where it's like you can have whatever you want. Because here's the here's the dichotomy
1: it's eligible bachelor but it's lonely spinster. Mm -hmm. And that's all you need to know about how women are seen in society and how (laughs) men are seen in society. It is an have you ever heard of an eligible spinster no it is an eligible bachelor and a lonely spinster it's man's best friend and crazy cat lady yeah that's what it is and it's all it's ever going to be you don't need to be that you don't need to get married you don't need to have kids you don't need any of that shit if you don't want to do it peace in the Middle East (laughs) (laughs) that's what I say to everything
0: everything's garbage
1: anyway Sarah excellent job thank you
0: awful terrible Men are just
1: trash and,
0: uh, No one can hear you When you're talking into the bed I'm saying Men
1: are trash <laughs> I said men are fucking trash Colin's giving back to me For lying on the bed He is
0: going to give out He can't mom. give out to me Because i Happy Christmas Happy Christmas you got, Anything else? You got any happy thoughts? Happy thoughts Happy, <sighs> tauts. happy tauts. Tauts. No I have nothing Happy thoughts It's tomorrow's Wednesday we're going on a We're holiday. Going to Ibiza, hey. Hey. You know, it's, What's your favorite thing about when we go on Back holidays? To the One party. of my all-time favorite things about when we go on holidays is the weird music I decide to play. That, that. also, going to the airport with you, I love
1: uh booking into our hotel why do you like going to the airport with me i just like going to the airport it's like a little adventure because i'm
0: super chill in the airport yeah you're
1: super chill it's like a little adventure and we get our tea and we get our
0: food and then we get in our plane and then i hold your hand and then i throw then you throw up and do you know what i find is bizarre about me being super chill on the plane what? on uh, uh, in the airport is that i know what's ahead of me you know what's gonna happen and you're still like hey, it's, okay. it's gonna happen um and then i like when
1: we check in and then we go find somewhere to eat
0: we're like, where are yeah,
1: we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if you're really sick, it's usually just like get into bed, shut up.
0: Yeah, and then you go off to the I like local news I I agent. Yeah, that's usually what happens. Like order the news agent to get the bottle new- of Lucasite. <laughs> 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 they don't sell Lucasite. Oh, don't get me, me any gear words. Words. Just give me water, really, Just give me some. We get me some more. <laughs> See if you can get British tea bags. <laughs> that's my favorite part. We're in the Middle East, and then I love
1: the first night when we go to bed, and then, then we wake up and we're like, "Hey,
0: we're in a different country. Let's go do stuff." We always wake up at an ungodly hour. Ungodly, and we're fully awake. Yeah, I'm like, do you want to just get up? Let's just get up at quarter past. Five remember the, the time morning? when we woke up in Vegas and it was like four in the morning? We were never not jet lagged in that country. No, never not jet lagged in that. City. And I just looked over at you and Graham. Remember Graham was asleep and I just looked over at we you. Just and just get was up. Like, We just get up. Graham's Grant. Oh yeah, no Graham. Because Graham like, has the fuck. Because Graham has the ability to change his sleep pattern. I was like, how is he do this Because he Graham can just sleep. So I said to Graham, now right. <laughs> Like, me and Graham, quite, like, well, often, right, I'd be like, do you want to have a little cuddle? Yeah. Um, in the middle of the day. Yeah. On a Sunday. Yeah. We'll go up and have a little cuddle. Within 10 minutes of having that it's cuddle. Out. If I said to Graham do you want to go for a nap? Out. There's no even, like, conversation. Graham's all-time favourite thing to do in life. Nap. Sleep. Yeah, don't blame me. Is that right?
1: But, uh, like, we were. I don't have that ability. We, I can't nap. No, we, unless
0: I'm sick. We were
1: jet-lagged. From the day we got there to the day that we left, we never got out of jail. No. Me and you, Graham's fine. This is true. Yeah. But next time we go away, we're going to have a great time. And we're going to have a party. Okay, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode. I don't know what number it is. Can't remember. 52. One of them. I don't know. Who knows?
0: Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Thanks for
1: listening. Have a lovely week, 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 week. We love you.
0: Bye. Be in fashion. Be None
1: is leaving. None is leaving. None Be in fashion, Belfast. We've been told there's misogyny in Belfast too. Be in fashion, Belfast. So we're having our dinner, then we're coming
0: for you. Cheers. Murder most Murder most Murder most Irish is in. Be in fashion. Sorry, are you Sean Connery?